Uh, grace to you and peace from our God and Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, dear friends, in the recent past, we talked about that concept of the weaker brother. Um, that is the, the idea that you, with your freedom in Christ and your level of self-control, can certainly go about your business, you certainly have every right to do such things as uh, you know, purchase fuel at the local casino. That is the example that I use. But that idea also contains that responsibility that if your neighbor sees you there at the casino, if your, your neighbor says, well, hey, there's, you know, Pastor Crosswhite is over there buying his gas, I can go there too. And your neighbor doesn't have the same level of, of, of self-control that, that you have. Uh, they, they, in fact, then find themselves gambling in, in the casino. They have now lost uh, their paycheck. They, they, they go home to their wife who's threatening to divorce them because now they have no money you know, to make it through the month. The Bible says that we bear some of that responsibility. In our present day and age, we say, oh, I, I don't like that. Now, why, why should some of that be laid at my feet? Why should I bear some of that responsibility? But all through the scripture, we see that concept playing out, don't we? We're told, for example, if you were to lead a little child astray, it would be better for you to have a millstone hung around your neck and to be cast into the sea rather than for that little child to suffer because of something you did. We're also told within the, the Holy Scripture that if you see someone committing sin and you fail to warn that person, their blood is on your hands. See, throughout the Holy Scripture, God holds us accountable for other people. He says that when we're considering how we lead our lives, we have to also consider what that impact is on other people. Are, are, are you leading little, little children astray? Don't do that, right? Do you see someone committing sin and, and you just shut up about it, right? Their, their blood is on your hands, okay? And, and so then it does follow. If the weaker brother or sister sees you at the casino getting your gas and that's a temptation for them and, and they go to the casino as well and now they've lost their whole paycheck, the Lord says you should have notice. You should live your life in such a way that other people are not led to sin. And yet we, we have a lot of freedom, don't we? Now in the text for today, the Apostle Paul is uh, talking about the exercise 
of that freedom. And, and you say, well, well, what does he mean when he talks about the law? Now, is he talking about the, the law of the, the Roman Empire? Now, is he talking about the laws of, of the United States government? Uh, what is he talking about exactly? And, and what the Apostle Paul is speaking about is the, the Jewish Old Testament law. It's that kind of law that was built up under even human tradition. It's that kind of law, for example, that says, you know, to the ancient Israelites, you cannot eat pork. Right? That that was one of the laws. Right? And the Apostle Paul, he comes out and he says, you know what, when I go into people's homes, right, I want to do my best to not cause offense. That's kind of the bottom line, isn't it? And so the, the Apostle Paul, you know, he, he goes to the home of a, a, a Gentile, a, a person that, you know, welcomes him in, a, a person that, that wants him to, to be comfortable, to be looked after, and they slay their hog, and they cook it up with, you know, a side dish of, of, you know, sweet potatoes. And they set it before him. And Paul says, thank you. Right? And, and Paul eats a, a, a healthy portion. Paul doesn't want those ancient Old Testament laws to get in the way of his evangelism. Uh, of the example that he would set. That's what he's talking about in the law. On the other hand, Paul says, you know what, if I go to the family of a a Jewish home, right? I I go there and I I sit down at the table. I I don't say, hey, could you cook me up some pork? Because he knows that would be an offense, you know, to those individuals. And so what, what he's saying is for the sake of the gospel, he puts aside his personal taste. Right? And he's willing always to be that kind of example of graciousness and goodness and gentleness. Right? Of, of yes, even self-control. Because it, it, you know what? Sometimes it takes self-control you know, to be able to eat a meal. And I know a lot of you older folks in the congregation, you grew up in that kind of environment, right? Your mama, your your daddy said, yeah, whatever your mom serves, right? You will eat it. You kind of remember that? And, and so you developed a little bit of discipline. You know, a, a lot of the, the kids in our current day and, and age, it's all about them. It's all about what they want. I don't like that. Oh, yuck. And, you know, that's terrible. And I'm not going to eat that. It's just a, the opposite, though, of what our text is talking about, isn't it? Rather, I would go to a person's home. I'd sit down at their table, whatever it is that they serve me. I'll have a, a you know, helping of it. Uh, I, I will express a thanks for the food that was given to me. I, I don't want to cause offense because I, I cause offenses over trivial things. And suddenly, you know, that person is saying, hey, you know what? There's the door. 
You know, imagine the, the apostle Peter before he experiences the, the vision that God gives him. You know, he, he goes into a, a Gentile's home and, you know, they, they, they serve him some food that they worked hard to prepare and, you know, it, it cost them something. And, 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 you know, Peter says, Oh, I'm, I don't eat that. I say, what? My, my wife just spent, you know, th- three hours. It's, it's the ancient world, right? My wife just spent three hours, you know, preparing this meal. What, what do you mean you, you, you don't eat that? Right? And now I'm kind of offended. Okay. But the, the apostle Peter, he's given that, that beautiful vision, isn't he? Where it's like a, a, a blanket, you know, full of all the, the animals, you know, comes down from heaven and the voice of God speaks and says, arise, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter is speaking directly to God. He says, I, I don't eat those things. I, I don't eat unclean things. Right? And the voice of God comes back and says, do not call unclean the things I have made. Don't do it. Rise, kill, and eat. Right? It, it takes Peter a couple times even in the vision, doesn't it? To finally understand he is supposed to be gracious. And he is supposed to be the one who, yeah, you know, suffers and has to use self-discipline in order to eat that thing that he doesn't really like that he's never eaten before because he represents the gospel. And difference that is where you and I are called to be, isn't it? Yeah, it comes into our, our everyday life, doesn't it? You know what? Yeah, you, you go over, you know, to that individual's home and, and, you know, they got their Minnesota Vikings flag in the front yard, you know, and they, they open up the door and they're wearing their Minnesota Vikings jersey, you know, and they, they invite you in and, and to sit down and watch the game with them and you, you start rooting for the Green Bay Packers. Maybe they're saying, hey, there's the door, fella. Right? The, the, the one time my dear sweet grandmother got angry at me, it was about a football game. My grandma and grandpa had lived in Nebraska for a while where my, my grandfather had served a, a few churches there and they really liked the Nebraska corn huskers, right? And I don't know if you remember way back in, in, in the past, but the Nebraska corn huskers had a, a, a very strong Christian coach, uh, for many, many years. And, and so they, they loved the coach, right? They, they loved the football team. And I, I came over to their, their house one day and, and the bowl game, you know, was going on and I had the gall to cheer for Michigan. Was playing against the Nebraska Cornhuskers. And we got to about halftime, and my grandmother let me know that she was pretty irritated with me cheering for Michigan. But that's not where we're supposed to be, is it? You and I were supposed to be able to put our personal preferences aside 
right? We're, we're supposed to use our, you know, gentleness, our graciousness, our, our, our love, our self-control in order to further the gospel, right? In order that, that other people would not be irritated with us over, you know, yes, trivial matters. I know your football team's not trivial, okay, but, but I said, over trivial matters. No, no, old, old pastor came to talk with me one time and, and he said to me, you know, uh, young man, say, when you're preaching, you should step on people's toes, but not mess up their shine. And so you see, you know, there's got to be a little bit of an edge, right? Your your toes may get stepped on a little bit at times, but when you look down at your shoe, it's not scuffed up. So there's got to be a a little bit, but you go too much and I wrecked your shoe, and now you're saying, hey, there's the door, fella. Right? Yeah, go on your way. So we we try to have, you know, that that little bit of edge, and so yeah, you get stepped on your toe a little bit, you know, my, my football team's not trivial. Pretty important. But that is how we want to live our lives, isn't it? That we would be free from, you know, trivial uh, annoyances, that, that we would be gracious and kind and merciful and gentle uh, with one another in order that the gospel right, might go. For that should be our chief desire. Now, on the other hand, sometimes you know people they they take things uh, too far uh, in that direction, don't they? And and here's an example. I'm told it's very difficult to minister uh, to people in the Bahamas because so many of the men in the Bahamas have a mistress. And so the, the pastor is standing in the church on Sunday morning and, you know, here, here is John Smith and, and John Smith has his legal wife, you know, sitting beside him on the one side and, and he has his legitimate children uh, with, with that wife sitting there, but also in the pew is his mistress and, and the, the children he, he has with, with that particular mistress. And maybe he has two or three mistresses. And so, you know, here, here's John Smith and his, his family. And, you know, they, they take up, you know, these first three pews. And, right, is the pastor ever going to talk about adultery in that church? Of course, we have the Ten Commandments, right? And so we understand, you know, in God's law, right, he says, thou shalt not commit adultery. What our, our, our text for today means is not that the, the pastor then, you know, just kind of overlooks a, adultery, uh, because there's a lot of people in the congregation that are, are into that kind of lifestyle. And he says, oh, I, I don't want to offend anybody. And so when I go to a, adulterers, well, I, I bring my mistress along because, you know, that's obviously how to minister to people who, who commit adultery. I, I, you know, bring some other gal with me. Hey, that, maybe that's it. No, that, that's never where no, Paul is going, right? 
You know, these basic tenets of the Christian faith, right? Thou shalt not commit adultery. It means that I'm going to speak against adultery, even though here is, you know, Jim Smith with his three mistresses around him, right? Then we need to be able to talk about that. It, it means when you and I go to a, a party, perhaps, and there's a lot of people around just kind of spreading false gossip. It doesn't mean that I, you know, in, in the, the car ride over to the party, I, I begin to think of some big whoppers that I could tell, you know, so I can fit in at the party. No, it means that, you know, I'm going to not bear false witness against my neighbor. It means that I'm going to continue to cling to that law of God. Uh, you know, just like if I was in prison ministering to a bunch of murderers, Right? I would not go out and murder somebody so I somehow can identify with you and I understand what you're, you're going through because I, I've been there and I also murdered somebody. You would never do something like that, right? That would just be crazy. And so, you know, definitely there is that boundary. That boundary is made of the Ten Commandments, right? That boundary is, is made of God's holy law. That I, I shall not murder, and I shall not commit adultery, and I shall not bear false witness, and I shall not steal from other people. If I'm witnessing to, to a bunch of thieves, you know, I, I don't say, oh yeah, you know, I, I know that pickpocket technique too. No, that's not the thing. And so, yes, we definitely have that boundary. I'm not going to break the commands of God. But what Paul's really talking about today is, yeah, those kind of trivial things. Right? You know, is it so bad who I cheer for in a football game? Well, no, it's not. But if it makes my grandmother so irritated that she said, hey, there's the door, right, then, then I've messed up. And yeah, it's perfectly fine for me as a Christian to seek out good deals and, you know, if I can get my gasoline at the casino gas station and not pay some extra tax, I say, well, it looks like a, a good break for me. But if it, it leads my neighbor astray because he saw me there buying gas at the casino and, and he thought, well, I, I could probably go inside. What's the difference? Then I have injured right, that person's life. And the Lord says it falls on me. Yeah. I saw him going inside. I knew that he had a problem with gambling, but I just decided to drive the other way because, hey, you know, everyone's business is their own. And the Lord says, that guy's blood is on your hand. You knew what was going to happen. You didn't do anything about it. The blood is on your hands. We, yes, are called to ignore those kind of trivial things. We are called to be the ones who will stand and say that the gospel is the most important. 
It's more important than me saving a couple cents at the casino because I don't have to pay extra tax. It's more important that the, the football team that I cheer for. It's more important that the kind of food um, that, that is presented for me to eat. It's so very important that I will even not cheer for Michigan when I know everyone else around wants the Cornhuskers to be victorious during the week. It's that important. And that is what the Apostle is trying to get across today. When when I go to the home of the Minnesota Vikings folks, I, I don't cheer for the other team. And when I go to the home of the people that they don't eat pork, I, I don't ask that they would make me some. And when I, I go to the home of the people that eat pork all the time and they serve it up on a plate, I say, thank you. Thanks for your hospitality. That is very tasty. That's what the apostle means there. And dear friends, you know, you and I, we can do this simply because you know, Jesus Christ showed the way, didn't he? We don't often talk about, you know, Jesus as the, the role model. But you know what? He came to us and he hung upon the cross so that we could be saved. And when we put it in that perspective, If Jesus hung on a cross so that I could be saved, can I not eat some pork and be thankful for it simply so my host isn't offended? Can I not go to a home that loves the Nebraska Cornhuskers and at least be quiet during the game just because I know how much it means to them. Can I not spend an extra five cents a gallon on my gasoline rather than going to the casino gas station simply because I know it might hurt someone else who sees me there and thinks, oh, Pastor Crosswhite is doing it. I guess that's probably fine for me to go do that too. And they get led into sin. You say, well, when that's the perspective, but of course, of course I can do what God wants me to do. Of course I can refrain in those couple areas where God wants me to refrain. You know, Jesus loved me that much. He loved me so much that he died on the cross. Can I not do a few things to modify my my trivial preferences to help other people know the Lord? And he said, well, of course I can. I, I, I can do that. Because Jesus loved me so much. I can do those few little things. I can do it. 
We can do it, right, because of Jesus, though, right? Because he always is the foundation. The Son of God looked upon us in our affliction, and he said, I, I love those people anyway. We're in the midst of sin. Some of us are, you know, shaking our fist at heaven. We're saying, God, you know, if you arrange things in this way and you made this path and you say that you care for me and this is where I ended up, I'm just really angry. And you shook your fist at God. And Jesus looked on us even at that moment and he said, I, I love that person. I want that person to make it home. I want that, that person to have a better life. I am gonna die to make that happen. And he stretched out his arms and he did. Jesus, your Lord and Savior, had you on his mind when he hung upon the cross. He knew the times that you would fail. He knew the, the times that you would actively go after sin. He knew the times that you would say, who cares what God thinks? I'm going to do it anyway. And still, he loved you. And still he died. And he did it so you make it home. Do we owe our friends and neighbors any less? They say no. If Jesus was willing to die for me, I, I can get my gas at a different gas station. I, I keep my mouth shut when I come over to your house and I don't really like your football team. I can enjoy the food that you made for me, even though perhaps it's not my favorite. I can express thanks for it. I can be gracious. And because of what Jesus has done for us, right? We got this. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be in your hearts and minds now and always. Amen.